curated by Kohl's latest collection is now available in select stores and at Kohl's.com. For a limited time, shop unexpected new favorites like reusable drinkware from Corksicle and fun arts and crafts from UB. Warmies heatable plush toys are perfect for little ones. Homesick handcrafted candles are a great gift to make anyone feel at home. And who doesn't love sweet treats from Candy Club? Shop curated by Kohl's for these digital need-to-know brands and more. Tap the banner now or visit Kohl's.com. Coming up on the Behind the Mic podcast, Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide won their sixth national championship in 12 years, Saban's seventh overall. Six teams were introduced to the playoff couch over the weekend. Steelers fans, I told you. Titans fans, there is hope if the franchise improves this side of the ball. In story time with Uncle Mike, when you got to go, you got to go. But the story doesn't end the way that you would think. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. What's happening, people? Michael Neal Jr., your host, Behind the Mic Podcast. The Alabama Crimson Tide, they put a wrap on Ohio State yesterday, last night, 52-24 in the national championship. Saban and company, they get their his seventh uh, national championship, and Alabama wins their sixth title. Sixth. All right? Hopefully. Hopefully I said that right. Um. This was just utter dominance. Once again, I kind of didn't expect it to be that bad. I kind of expected more of a back and forth game. But if you did watch it, um, I mean, Ohio State, they have depth. But um, I think that things just got really out of hand early. Now, some would probably point to Trey Sermon, the running back for Ohio State, going down after his first carry and he broke his collarbone and he was gone for the rest of the game master t came in he's from around here master t came in and he's he's capable um not exactly the same but he's capable they still had still had justin fields that was trying to sling the football but i think that things on the defensive side for ohio state it just didn't uh things just were not going to be sustained that alabama offense was just I mean, it's just bonkers. Uh, when you see how many guys um, that they have left and right, you saw the depth, and you got to see it, especially after the first half that Devontae Smith had. Uh, he won the Heisman for a reason, and he caught 12 passes for 215 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. I mean, come on. He broke his hand, a dislocated a finger really bad in the second half early in the third quarter. Hated to see him go out like that, but I mean the damage was already done. Um, Ohio State they had they had some chances there, uh, just couldn't finish drives, couldn't finish certain plays. They picked up first downs. This Alabama defense, what I learned yesterday, uh, I mean you learned it all season if you kept up. They they're not the same defense, but then too, um, offense these days everywhere it's just. Uh, I mean, it's hard to stop offense these days. Offense has evolved as well as the rules to allow offense to evolve and and to be even more potent. But you still can put some playmakers out there. They had some guys on defense, Ohio State-wise, but then at the same time, Alabama's defense is just, I mean, other than um, 
other than Christian Barmore and Patrick Sertain Jr. I, I, I really can't name anybody of note. Dylan Moses, I mean, they have guys, but they're just as a unit. They were not as um, dominant. But, I mean, look, they won the national championship. They finished undefeated. That will be the second time they finished undefeated and as a national champion under Nick Saban. Um, great team. Uh, very, very, just a great team. Um, and the thing is, Bama's pressure in the second quarter it started getting to Justin Fields, and uh, then you just saw Mac Jones going off after, especially after the the forced fumble and the fumble recovery, and they tied the game at fourteen. And then after that, I mean, Alabama ended up scoring twenty one fourteen, um, and at, by halftime it was what 35-14, 35-17. You know, coming back uh, in the second half, and uh, the game was over. The game was over. Um, Devontae Smith, he had, you know, the 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 big day, the big night early. Najee Harris stepped up after Smith went out. So did uh, Mechie. Um, I mean, they, they they played a great game. So just thinking about everything that I've talked about and the recruiting, and you saw – how great that that team is. What was the number I gave you last week? It was about, after this was after the Notre Dame game, the Rose Bowl played in Dallas. Out of the ESPN top 100, Alabama landed 41 of those top 100 in the last four cycles from 2017 to 2020. Give all credit to Paul Himbokitis, uh, his tweet that I read on last week. And Notre Dame, only eight. So, I mean, I know that Ohio State, they recruit just like that. Now, some people were happy to see uh, Ohio State to go out, not just Michigan fans, go out um, on a stretcher like that. But you saw a lot of people that it's like, well, they didn't deserve to be there anyway. Well, look, I mean, I understand that. It wasn't their fault. Um, The Big Ten made those rules, and the Big Ten changed those rules. And there's nothing – that you can take away from the fact that they ran through Dabo Sweeney in Clemson, you know, a week ago or whatnot. So there's, you cannot take that win away from them. And the way that Justin Fields played, look, I mean, he, he deserves uh, to get some, um, they deserve to be there just based on that game alone. They beat Clemson. Everybody, including myself, thought that Clemson was going to be in that game. You look at the college football playoff awards. I mean, these guys, uh, and even the stats and, and the college football records, the SEC records that were set this season, um, set by the CFP records set by Alabama, the most scored points scored by a team in the title game, 52. Most points in the first half, 35. Most passing yards in a half, Mac Jones, 343. He finished with 464 yards passing. Um, the most yards in a title game. Uh, in fourth 464, most receptions in a title game. Let's go to Devontae Smith, 12 catches in the title game, three touchdowns in the title game, 215 yards and a half. Um, the two game receiving yards, CFP records 345, and he tied Zeke Elliott's record of six touchdowns total. He took home numerous awards as well as records, but if you go to with the records first, SEC record in yards, 1800 yards, 1856 yards. I, you know, I don't want to break all of it down, but his 1,856 yards, 23 touchdowns, 
they were SEC football, SEC records. FBS record in career receiving yards with 46. Najee Harris, he had 30 touchdowns from scrimmage. That's an SEC record. Um, and Mac Jones completed like 77.4, whatever it was, but that was the highest completion percentage in FBS history. That's pretty much the D1. You know, we don't say D1 and D2 anymore. FBS record in completion percentage, right? And this is within all SEC schedule. All SEC schedule. Keep that stuff in mind. Not to mention the fact that Alabama cleaned up in awards. Of course, we know Devontae Smith won the Heisman, but he also won the Walter Camp and the Home Depot Award. I mean, the uh, Walter Camp and Maxwell Awards, best player of the year, and the Fred Beletnikoff Award, the best wide receiver. Uh, and then you go down the Davey O'Brien Award, best quarterback, Mac Jones, the Remington Award that goes to the best center, Landon Dickerson, Alabama. Great moment. By the way, for for him to go, uh, you know, despite the knee thing, to go out and take the last couple of snaps of the game, you know, Nick Saban, that was great tip of the hat to your center um, to take those two kneel downs with Bryce Young. Um, and then you go, let me go back to the awards. Um, the Doak Walker Award, best running back, who got that? Of course, Najee Harris. Beletnikoff, we already said that. The Outland Trophy Award, the best interior lineman. Again, Alabama, Alex Leatherwood. Not just, just those two linemen, but you just look at the Alabama offensive line. Najee Harris and uh, Brian Robertson and and those the Mac Jones, they didn't all bend those receivers. They didn't benefit just by their talent alone. An offensive line is the most important position on the field, and they recruit that. So that's great. The Broyles Award, which is the best assistant coach, Steve Sarkeesian of Alabama, the offensive coordinator. Of course, today he was – introduced as University of Texas, their next head coach. So he's hook'em horns now. So now Saban is looking for his next offensive coordinator. That was just a great game to watch. It was a great game to watch, especially if you were an Alabama fan. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, and also uh, watching Ohio State, especially towards the end, I started to ask myself this question. It was like, who is going to be the next quarterback at Ohio State? Uh, just watching Justin Fields, and I have no idea. I had to think about that for a minute. I mean, Alabama, they have Bryce Young, who was, you know, the top guy coming out, you know, last year. Uh, I, I mean, outside of DJ Uyagalele, who's going to be Clemson's next signal caller. Oklahoma got Spencer Rattler. He's back. JT Daniels is at Georgia, who transferred from USC. And these are the top teams right now, the way too early you know, top 25, I actually looked on cbssports.com. Um, and then with Ohio State, they have C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller. Okay, you know, we'll see how that works out. Um, Alabama actually is losing a lot of players to the draft once again. And uh, I mean, think they're pre they have them at five, four, four or five. No, they have them at four. Ohio State is at five. They're losing a lot, especially in the important places. And already they have Clemson as number one. But again, you know, it's it's way too early. Um, Ohio State, they, they're they going to have to replace Trey Sermon um, and those linebackers that have been there for like 12 years. And I uh, think uh, Sean Wade at corner and a couple other guys. But we'll see what happens. 
All right. So, NFL playoffs. The better teams won every single game on wild card weekend. Period. And with that, we're going to head right into it. The NFL wild card playoff rundown. The Indianapolis Colts had their chances. They blew it. The result, Buffalo Bills, they get their first playoff win in 25 years. To be fair, the Colts did look really good, though. They did. Um, And look, it's just when they got to the red zone, things just simply didn't work out. Sometimes, uh, Frank Reich, you should probably just go ahead and kick a field goal. So Buffalo moves on to the next round, and I'm not sure if their running game will go with them. Part of that one-two combo in the running game, the rookie Zach Moss, he's out for the rest of the postseason with that ankle injury. It's on you, Devin Singletary. The L.A. Rams start John Wolford. The Seattle Seahawks linebacker that happens to play safety, Jamal Adams, takes him out. Wolford leaves the game with a neck injury early. Enter Jared Goff, whose thumb looks like a Lysol can, the large Lysol can. Two weeks off of getting surgery on that thumb. Your final Rams 30, Seahawks 20. LA running back Cam Akers ran all over, around, and through the Seahawks defense for 131 yards. And on the other side, Russell Wilson, he rode the struggle bus. This game spoke volumes of pretty much uh, what the Seahawks need to fix in the offseason, right? Of course, playing the best defense in the league, that'll show you what your flaws are. We've seen the Seahawks struggle all year on offense and defense. Still making the playoffs, that tells you how close they are, but they have a lot of work to do. The Rams head to Green Bay next week, and hopefully Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup, who suffered injuries last week, will be a go. I read earlier that they are day-to-day. Jared Goff, I know he has the big thumb, um, but the, man, they got to... They have to figure something out at cornerback. At quarterback, it's it's just not looking good. Uh, could there be changes on the horizon? Maybe. Joe Branham, hit me up. Congrats to the Washington football team and their season. Backup quarterback Taylor Heineke played his assets off. The game was a mirror of the Washington football team's season. Tough defense, resilient offense. I told you that defense was good, and they hung with Brady and the Bucks. Um, but they're just like their head coach, Ron Rivera, the former Bears linebacker. A lot of fight. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers head to the New Orleans Saints. They played them. Uh, this will be the third and final chapter of the 2020 season between Brady and Breeze. Somebody might be retiring. Speaking of New Orleans, the Saints beat the Chicago Bears 21-9 to Saturday night. The Saints, y'all have to score more points than that. Okay? They kind of struggled to do that on Saturday night. Um, Michael Thomas, he scored his first touchdown of the season. All right, whoopee. The Bears' defense is real, but their offense, all right, we know their offense, you know, they, they actually played against a, a good defense. So, um, and the, other than that, I don't know why Nickelodeon was popping up on my NFL app on my phone. I never clicked on it. had no idea they were doing a broadcast of the game. I did not, and I still haven't looked into it. But, you know, from apparently, Mitchell Trubisky won the MVP, Nickelodeon's valuable player. I guess Trubisky won something on his way out. Three plays doomed the Tennessee Titans in their 20-13 loss to the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. One, Lamar Jackson's 48-yard touchdown run on third and nine with about 240 and some change before halftime. Two, Lamar Jackson's 33-yard run with a minute and change left to go in the fourth quarter to seal it. And three, 
Titans head coach Mike Vrabel opting to punt on fourth and two from the Ravens 40 yard line. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. And it's been noted. Okay, so you paid all this money to Derrick Henry as well as Ryan Tannehill. And you throw the football on second and two. You throw the football on third and two. You couldn't give the dude the ball. You're down three. Dude, I don't understand that. I mean, I trust that they know what they're doing more than me because I'm not in the locker room or practices or their Zoom meetings. But you could have just run the ball sometimes. And, I, and look, the Baltimore defense, they had them sold up for the most part of the game. Had Derrick Henry sold up. Sold up. 18 carries, 40 yards. Understand that. They knew what their game plan was. We are not going to let this dude that has been uh, running all over us for the last two games, playoffs last year and regular season this year, we're not going to allow, allow that to happen again. Plus, they had some guys back. But um, the Titans defense on the other side, which stunk all year, played a pretty good game except for those two plays they gave up, making those five sacks the Titans had on Sunday a distant memory. Anyway, I'll deal with the Titans on a little bit later on in the show. The Cleveland Browns did not have their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, due to COVID. The Cleveland Browns practiced once in two weeks. Once. The Cleveland Browns were down to backup offensive lineman that quarterback Baker Mayfield had to introduce himself to. Hey, my name's Baker. How you doing? Ever seen my commercials? Yeah, that's me. As well as their best quarterback, their best cornerback, that is, Denzel Ward. Ward. He was out as well. The Cleveland Browns scored an NFL record 28 first quarter points before going on to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. 48 to 37 at Heinz Field. And if you didn't watch the game, the game that it wasn't even that close. It wasn't. It wasn't it wasn't close at all. It was 28 to nothing at the end of the, end of the first quarter. Um I'm a Steelers fan, yeah. But I have I have common sense. Okay. And all I can say is Steelers fans, I told you so. So with that being said, let me dive into my first topic. I'm not going to stay here too long. But all year long, I'll start here, all year long, the question was, what was Cleveland's identity? What was the Cleveland Browns' identity? With OBJ, you're trying to force the ball. We went from Baker Mayfield trying to force the ball to uh, to OBJ and Jarvis Landry to, okay, let's give it to Nick Chubb. Give it to Nick Chubb. Give it to uh, Nick Chubb. And we also, when we bring in Kareem Hunt, Let's give it to Kareem Hunt. Let's throw it to Kareem Hunt. Let's throw some screen passes to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And just like that, you go from an offense that's trying to force the ball seemingly mostly to one star receiver to spreading the football out to people that are actually open but going run first. I told you, that's the reason why as a Steelers fan, I was scared of the Cleveland Browns. Why? Because they have a coach that has some sense, and a quarterback that actually has confidence. And when you have those two together, then you are able to change the, what everyone talks about, change the culture, which the Cleveland Browns, they went 17 straight games without winning, excuse me, 17 years without winning a game in Pittsburgh. So then that, (laughs) that's going to change here soon. You want to hear why? Well, here it is. 
free agency hell. That's what I we talked about this some weeks ago. Ed Bouchette, who covers or has covered the Pittsburgh Steelers since 1985 via The Athletic. I read, uh, I think it was Christmas Eve. As a matter of fact, I read the article that he wrote about how many of those players that are going to be on that free agency list and how it's really going to be hard for Pittsburgh to go forward with Ben Roethlisberger and a lot of these other players because they don't have the cap room. What does that mean? We don't have enough money. We, we can only pay out this much money. I have a dollar. Big Ben is taking 40 cents of this dollar, maybe 45 cents of this dollar. And I can't make a team work at this point with this many good players and they're not going to all take pennies on the dollar. Okay. So in order for us to have a better team, we have to spread the money out. My daughter and I, we went to go get something to eat the other day and we ended up at Subway and there was a really friendly guy that was there that fixed our sandwiches and turned out to be a Patriots fan. He asked me if I missed Antonio Brown. I was wearing my Steelers salute to store service hoodie and my Steelers cap. And uh, I said, you know what? I really do. And I proceeded to tell him how proud I was of him um, and how well he's done down at Tampa. And, you know, obviously I was mad at AB at first and I didn't hide that. And I'm still not hiding that because he would not take ownership of the wrongdoing that he was doing for so long. And then he bottomed out. Sometimes it takes you bottoming out in order for you to change. Right. And he got. A reprieve he got some people that said come on let's do this and he, he he apologized and hopefully things will continue to get better for him um and he won't go backwards um and even now i mean chris godwin by the way you better stop dropping those balls because brady already has dude living at his house so uh you're on very very thin thread with tom brady you're gonna turn into one of those guys he phases out in new england but anyway um Watching the Steelers this year, that made me think about it. I miss A.B. and I miss Le'Veon Bell. We haven't been able to, I mean, we've got some great receivers that are there. Deontay Johnson is pretty good. Claypool is going to be a star. Juju is turned into a darn possession receiver, although I'll give him kudos for having the game he did against the Colts and him having the big game he had in the playoff loss just this Sunday on Sunday night um, against, uh, you know, Cleveland. And you probably should have kept your mouth shut, Mr. TikTok. But my whole thing is this. What was the bad? There was no running game. And I said this, and I repeat myself. There has to be a reason why they decided to allow Big Ben, who had a, a elbow surgery, the reason why he missed all of last year, Right. And we had to see Duck Hodges. The Steelers had to play Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, who Mason Rudolph may just be the starting quarterback next season. But here's the problem. Here's, here's the thing as far as that goes. I mean, you had either one or two things because they're not dumb. Steelers are organization, their coaching staff, they're not dumb. There's a reason why they haven't run the football because they can't. Whether it's the offensive line or the backs themselves, they can't run the football. And I respect James Conner for the things that he's done um, here in Pittsburgh. 
but it's only gotten progressively worse. I only think he cracked 700 yards this year. Not surprising. As a team, they averaged 85 yards rushing per game, which still is kind of surprising to me uh, that they got that much per game this season. So, and then at the same time, the passing game, you had all of these talented receivers dropping the ball. Eric Ebron is like something that's followed him throughout his career in Detroit, in Indianapolis, and now here. He drops the ball everywhere he goes. So they had to throw the football because they couldn't run it, and they were going to depend on Big Ben. I'm glad he got through the season unhurt. But after the game, you saw him sitting over there on the sideline by himself and with uh, they had the camera on him by himself at one point, and then other camera shots showed him. And uh, and, and oh my God, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, my sinner, Mister Pouncey, Pouncey sitting over there next to him, and those two are going to cost over fifty-five million dollars for the Steelers. That's over half, you know. That's that's that that's a lot of not over half, but that's a lot of money. For two players, that's going to count against the cap. According to Brooke Pryor of ESPN.com, this is without any restructures. Veterans like Roethlisberger, Lynch Pouncey, um, Cam Hayward, David DeCastro, Stefan Tuitt, Joe Hayden, Steve Nelson, 71% of a projected $182.4 million salary cap. And Roethlisberger alone is 40% of next year, this, this coming up season's salary cap. You got 19 unrestricted free agents and a handful of more restricted and exclusive rights restricted free agents. Basically, players like Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Hilton, who's a really good corner, you know, nickel corner, and Cam Sutton, and Bud Dupree, they might be gone out of here. They might be gone, gone. And that's not good. So basically, the Steelers organization is going to have to choose. You're going to have $46 million against the cap with one player. He was sitting there, and I'm thinking he already knows I'm going to have to retire because he's not going to play somewhere else. All right, that's I, I'm, I don't know that as a fact, but I believe that to be a fact. Big Ben is not going to play somewhere else. I, don't, I really don't see that because I don't think he wants to. Because they're going to eat, they're going to cut him. We will find out on March the seventeenth, because that's when he's owed fifteen million dollars. I think it's the roster bonus. I think it is. We're going to find out March seventeenth. I mean, don't be fooled by the numbers. Obviously, Big Ben threw during this seventy passes and threw for five hundred yards. But when you turn the football over five times, four picks, by the way, and then you have Pouncey snapping the ball over the head of Big Ben on the first play of the game and the Cleveland Browns defense recovers it for a touchdown. I hadn't even sat down good yet and put my phone on my, on the table and they already scoring a touchdown. I'm like, are you serious? Shades of the Super Bowl with Seattle and the Denver Broncos. I'm a UT football fan. I was rooting for Denver because I wanted Peyton Manning to win. Of course, that was what happened. Ball snapped over his head. 43 to 8 was the final score. So, um, but look, credit to Cleveland. Um, they're changing their culture. And the things are not going to remain the same in Cleveland. I'm, I'm saying they have their quarterback. They have their coach. They have their guys. And unless 
The Pittsburgh Steelers find their next quarterback. I've been railing about that and talking to people about that for years, for at least the last five years. I'm like, you need to be looking for the next guy. You need to be looking for the next guy. And the reason why I say that is because you want the guy um, to, you, you want to find the one, if he can't beat the teams that's hardest to beat, then especially with the pieces that he had, then your team as you know, as a whole is just, you know, it's so, something needs to change, right? Defense had to be actually get better. Sometimes the offense was carrying the team and the, the Steelers defense hasn't always been up to snuff, but they've gotten better. They're one of the best defenses in the league right now, but they're going to lose a lot of those pieces. So you have no shot turning the football over five times. And truth be told, Cleveland, they can't cover bed with a sheet right now either. Now they get... Denzel Ward back when they go see Kansas City. Maybe, I mean, that's going to help. That pass rush, that'll help. But Cleveland, good luck next week playing Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Miko Hardeman, and Sammy Watkins. But I, I will say this, though. Um, Kansas City's been playing some really close games, too. And Kansas City is favored by 10 against Cleveland. Mm, we'll see. All right, all right. Just a little bit of quick news um, coming out of the break. Um, Doug Peterson, as you know, he was fired uh, by the Philadelphia Eagles, leaving yet another, a seventh, another team looking for a head coach. He was 46-39-1 over the past five seasons with the Eagles, including four playoff wins. You got some quotes from owner Jeffrey Laurie. Basically, the stories that I've seen today Point to Lori did not trust Doug Peterson uh, at this point. And I even read a tweet as to why, why in the world did Doug Peterson, a uh, week before last, why did he pull Jalen Hurts in a three point game against the Washington football team for Nate Sudfield and give us that lie that Sudfield needed to get some snaps or whatever? You, you, you weren't trying to win the game. The tweet basically said that he was tired of being told what to do. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but they also debunks, in I guess, in my mind, debunks. Okay, so did Jeffrey Laurie, Jeffrey Laurie the owner, tell Peterson or instruct the staff to pull Jalen Hurts? I'm guessing not, because if he had, then why fire your coach? It's okay, pull him. No. Was it Howie Roseman, the GM? I never uh, spoke his name the last show that I did. Huh? I mean, Peterson looks like all signs point that Peterson did this on his own. But he's out the door. Dan Quinn, I don't know what my brother thinks about this, but we'll talk about this. Dan Quinn, the former Falcons head coach, fired earlier this year by the Falcons. Uh, he got his name in the paper because... He was a really good defensive coordinator with all those pieces. The Legion of Boom. He was the D.C. for the Legion of Boom back in the day, those Seattle Seahawks. The Cowboys have hired him as the next defensive coordinator. Um, the Cowboys need something. <laughs> they need pieces as well as a good defensive coordinator. Mike uh, Nolan fired. He's out. Quinn is in. The Cowboys allowed the most points in franchise history, 473. And they finished with the 
first-ranked run defense. Yikes. Also, in the news, left tackle, the Indianapolis Colts, who lost a close one, 27-24, to the Buffalo Bills. They'll be looking for a new left tackle, I think. Uh, Anthony Costanzo retires after 10 seasons, according to Mike Wells of ESPN.com. He was a first-round pick draft pick in 2011 and started all 144 games he played in in his career and then the Colts were four and 13 in the games that he missed in his career um this year he missed four games due to a knee and ankle injury and the Colts announced on December 30th that Costanzo could miss or would miss the rest of the regular season and then their playoff game against Buffalo which they did lose uh, because of ankle surgery also more NFL news Bill Belichick will not move forward with the Presidential Medal of Freedom. He says in a statement he was offered that Presidential Medal of Freedom, of course, by um, Donald Trump. Uh, and he issued a statement saying, quote, recently I was offered the opportunity to receive the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which I was flattered by out of respect for what the honor represents and admiration for a prior recipient. Subsequently, the tragic events of last week occurred and the decision has been made not to move forward with the award, end quote. Hmm. And speaking of President Trump, the PGA, uh, the 2022 PGA Championship is leaving Trump National and also in more PGA news, the Masters will have limited... To this point, this is the report. The Masters will have limited, not fan, but patron attendance. Uh, the Masters will be played in uh, April. The dates are those four rounds, eighth, the 8th through the 11th. NHL news. Willie O'Ree, the first black player in the NHL, will have his number 22 retired by the Boston Bruins on February 18th before their game against the New Jersey Devils and will become the 12th Bruin to have his number retired. He made his debut 63 years ago on January 18th, 1958 against the Montreal Canadiens at the age of 22. He's 85 now. He played 21 years of pro hockey, which included 13 in the WHL, and he retired in 1979. Well overdue. Uh, the NBA... They are changing up their COVID protocols. We've been having a lot of games that have been um, not just in the NBA, but also in the uh, in college basketball, men's and women's uh, games that have been postponed uh, because of COVID. Nothing new. This is what happens when you don't have a bubble. Uh, we had none of that stuff, obviously, when you when you um, have a bubble. And one of the key things in the new uh, protocols is that no guests, there are no guests uh, for players or staff in hotels. That If you're not a player um, uh, or, or affiliated with the team, let's just say it that way, then you can't have a guest in the hotels, which they were able to do that, bring people in from the outside. Not smart. And already this week, four games have been postponed, and three of them involved the Boston Celtics. And I do have those protocols here. I was watching ESPN earlier. So you got a you know minimum two-week window here. Players and staff must, must remain at residence or hotel other than for team activities, outside exercise, 
or essential activities. Pre-game meetings in locker room limited to 10 minutes and you must wear a mask to attend. Players must limit interactions with others to elbow and fist bumps. Avoid extended socializing. And last, prohibit contact with non-team guests at road hotels. So, yeah, you know, I, I would think that that would be something that is, um, you know, <laughs> that, that would be almost common sense. Don't bring people in from the outside. Uh, no wonder. <laughs> also, I'm going to add this in on the end. Uh, going back to the NFL, this came across uh, probably about 20, 30 minutes ago. Adam Schefter, according to Adam, Adam Schefter, his tweet, the Seahawks have fired offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer. Hmm. His offense set a number of Seahawks records, but after meeting last night, it was evident there were philosophical differences between Schottenheimer and head coach Pete Carroll. They decided a parting was in the best interests of both sides. Also in NCAA football, Sark, of course, was introduced. This is Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator for the national champion Alabama Crimson Tide, introduced as the University of Texas Longhorn head coach. But one of the candidates to replace him that was mentioned was ex-Houston Texans coach Bill O'Brien. How about that? <laughs> How about that? All right. So where are we at now? fans are really funny they, they really crack me up um and i had to ask my wife about this because this is what i had in my mind and she agreed she told me i mean it's true fans are a lot like women you know you can never please them it's hard to satisfy a woman you know you have to work they make you work fellas they make you work uh anybody seen austin powers gold member you remember the part when Goldmember is sitting down with uh, Austin Powers? I think they captured him or whatever, and he asked him, would you like a smoke and a pancake? And Austin's like, what? Smoke and a pancake? You know, you want a flat back and a flapjack and a cigarette? Cigar and a waffle? No. Pipe and a creep? No. Bong and a bench? No. Well, there is no pleasing you. <laughs> you can't please fans. It, it doesn't exist. In sports, satisfied fans don't exist. And they have kind of a myopic view of things, um, a selfish view of things. And I understand that because there's, there's only really one way to please a fan you know, is to win and to keep winning. Even when you win, you still lose. <laughs> so players, coaches, they all know that. They, they know how fans are fickle. That's why they call fan is, is uh, fanatics. Fanatics are crazy people. All right. And, and look, fans are great. And fans can also be very, very nerve-wracking, like a rock in my shoe. I went to social media and looked at a lot of different commentaries. I, I don't respond. I just read. I'm just trying to get the lay of the land sometimes. And some stuff, it doesn't surprise me because I know that's what they're going to say. I, I listen. I have conversations myself and listen to fans. And with the, you know, with the Titans fans, uh, you know, some of my friends on social media and others outside of my my um you know my my circle this is some of the things that i saw they need a defensive coordinator well you're right about that mike vrabel's got his off uh his outside linebackers coach being the de facto defensive coordinator maybe you should do a little bit better than that um but then too maybe you need uh some better pieces out there too <laughs> 
but they need a defensive coordinator. Yeah, I agree with that. Ownership doesn't care about winning. I'll deal with that last. They need a playmaker. Uh, okay. All right. Defensive backs. I already said they can't cover a bed with a sheet, but it does help when you actually have a pass rush, and they don't have that, do they? So, like I said, don't let those five sacks fool you. And they had, uh, like, nine over the past couple of games, which, I mean, that's decent, but we know that that's not necessarily the truth, okay? Um, Ryan Tannehill, when you make him throw and he lose, well, obviously, if he's having to throw the football a whole lot, the way that, see, we talked about identity with the Cleveland Browns, right? You know how the Cleveland Browns are doing things? They run the football more than they pass. That's the same identity here. You have a 2,000-yard running back, a big robot. That's what I call him. Derrick Henry, the big robot in the backfield. Yes, you build around him. That's, that's the identity of the team. Now, here's the thing. The offense is not the problem. The offense had a bad day. But still, the defense actually stepped up a little bit against the Baltimore Ravens. It is what it is. But they gave up two plays. I talked about it in the rundown. Two plays were the difference in this game. The game was 20 to 13, not 40 to 13. People go off like they got destroyed. And it came down to three plays. You didn't go for it on fourth and two. You should have at least tried. You can still try. You still try. I mean, you know, they never even got over into the red zone ever again after you know that that right there that play where they punted away they never got back over there again except when marcus peters had that pass interference that was not thrown he didn't that they the uh rabel did have a discussion with the i read where he had a discussion with the uh the umpire or the referee I'm not pointing to plays and saying the refs lost the game, which that's the only way you can please a fan in a loss is if you can blame a ref. <laughs> I don't, I'm trying not to do that unless it's just blatant. You know, the Rams should know all about that. And so and Saints fans should know all about that. But yeah, they missed a the call in my opinion. I think a lot of people's opinion, um, but they, the, 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 the Titans didn't get that kind of respect. They did make some calls in the game, but when the receiver, I don't even remember 15's name, he's he's going down the field. He's turning to try to catch the football. I, I don't know when a defensive back is able to run into a wide receiver and knock him down and intercept the ball and that not be pass interference. I've seen flags. We have seen flags thrown for much, much less. But anyway, back to those that list. Um, the Titans have possession receivers. That's not true. Possession receivers catch the football and fall down, and, and they normally average about 10 or 11 yards a catch, or less if you're Juju Smith-Schuster and some other receivers. So let me ask you this. And if, since the Titans supposedly have possession receivers, I'm addressing this. If you hear this, I think you know who you are. So I'm looking at the statistics right now. So if you average 12, 13 yards or better, you're not a possession receiver. No, you, you, you know, you're catching the ball. But if you average probably about 10 or 11 yards a catch, then you're probably a possession receiver. 
You don't think Devontae Adams of Green Bay is a possession receiver. He averaged 11 yards a catch. Just a shade under 12, but you know, all right, I'll give you that one. Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey, they're up there in the top five in, in receiving in the NFL. They finished. And Waller averaged 11 yards. He's not necessarily a possession guy, but to average 11 as a tight end, that's good. Travis Kelsey, 13 yards a catch. That's great. But I don't think do, – do you think Keenan Allen is a possession receiver? Well, he averaged nine yards a catch, and he caught 100 balls. Tyler Lockett caught 100 balls. He averaged 10. Juju averaged eight and a half yards a catch. Now, he has turned into a possession receiver. And speaking of which, I don't mean to go back off on a tangent against my Pittsburgh Steelers again, but um, A.B. was right. Antonio Brown said that Juju Smith-Schuster – was only getting those numbers because I was taking away the best corners in the, in the coverage, which was true. It's the reason why you probably want more receivers out there, right? And I totally understand that as a Titans fan. Could you use a third guy? Yeah, but I seen somebody put OBJ. No, you don't want Odell Beckham Jr. here. You you don't you know unless he's okay with not being the top target all the time, okay? But if your identity is to run the football and then you can have that balance, see what happened in Cleveland when they stopped throwing, forcing him the ball so much? Did they win when he was playing with the New York Giants when he was in his prime? No. No. It did. You don't have to have a stud receiver all the time. Not every Super Bowl champion has a stud receiver. Now, the, 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 the Patrick Mahomes-led, uh, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy-led offense – with Tariq Hill and Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins and Nicole Hardman and, and, you know, all of those weapons that they have, you can do that. You know, if you want to go that way, then you can go that way. But we have all of these receivers I'm looking at that are averaging 10 and 11 yards a catch. Those are possession receivers. So what about the Titans receivers? Well, here it is. A.J. Brown, who's a pro bowler, he only calls 70 passes. Why? Because he plays in a running, he plays for a running offense. But he's a pro bowler, right? He had a well over 1,000 yards this season. He averaged 15 yards a catch and had 11 touchdowns. That's not a possession receiver. Not a possession receiver. And then, of course, his running mate on the other side, Corey Davis, he only caught 65 balls. He had just under 1,000 yards. He averaged 15 yards a catch. That's not a possession receiver. They're just not catching as many balls as some of these other cats because they run the football more. That's what it is. So now they're not, the offense isn't the problem. Okay. They had a bad, uh, they had a bad, I wonder what y'all were saying last year when Derrick Henry, because I heard, I read what someone said that Derrick Henry is holding this offense back. To a degree, he may be right because these days it's not about running the ball as much as it is throwing it. But some of these teams kind of have and have it. Yes, the um, the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs rode their quarterback Patrick Mahomes, but it was a running back that kind of finished the job. So yeah, you just need to build around what you have and probably just add to it. You can probably use another receiver, a guy that's even better. I don't think that it should be OBJ though.
This is why your offense isn't the problem. They were second in the NFL in total yards, tied with the Buffalo Bills, who was first, Kansas City. They were fourth in points. They averaged 30 points a game. Now they were 23rd in the pass, and that's because Tannehill didn't throw the football a whole lot, but they were second in the rush. They made the playoffs. They won the AFC South for the first time in, what, 12 years? So, you know, they're up there with some of the better teams in the league. Green Bay, Buffalo, Tampa, as far as offense. I always say this. What does it take to win a Super Bowl? Coach, quarterback, defense. And in life, we always look at other people that we, we, we see what they got. And we get a little envious or jealous. And we say, I want that. We do the same thing with our teams. Because they see what, what it takes to win. And I totally get it. I'm not saying that you shouldn't change what the Tennessee Titans have. But I'm saying that you do have an offense. That's not their, it's not the problem. Scoring D is the key in Super Bowl success, according to SI.com. And one statement I took out of there, one statistic that is universal to the success of all Super Bowl champions, 47 of the 54 winners have ranked in the top 10 in scoring defense. Of the 108 teams that have reached the Super Bowl, 89 of them ranked in the top 10 in scoring defense. Last year, Tennessee was close. They went all the way to the AFC Championship game. The defense wasn't great, but they were good enough. They were 12th in scoring defense last year. That was under Dean Pease. What happened with Dean Pease? Dean Pease went back into retirement. So you got a big, you know, there are some things that do need to change. They need to get better. This year, really bad. Defense is the problem. If you're a Titans fan, a real Titans fan, you didn't blame necessarily the offense this Sunday, except for that fourth and two. Their defense this year, they were 28th in total defense, 29th against the pass, 19th against the rush, and they were 24th in points. There was no way they were going. They Good enough to make the playoffs, but not good enough to win it all. Derrick Henry is the reason why. Ryan Tannehill, they're the two reasons why that the Titans got to the playoffs. They won some games. And shoot, they could have won some other ones had some things fell their way. So, you know, that, and like I said, that was just one of the most ridiculous things that I heard, that Derrick Henry stinks. Derrick Henry is holding the offense back. We rely too much on Derrick Henry. Well, I mean, that may be true, but here's the thing. That's your identity. So that means maybe you need to change that up. But here's what helps that kind of identity. Look how the Baltimore Ravens are built. Their defense, seventh total, sixth against the pass, eighth against the rush, and second in points per game. They could win the Super Bowl. So what is all that equal? The Titans played a real defense. They had people that was missing this season when they played. And yeah, the Titans went up there and they beat them. And they had that pregame dance meeting on the logo. Karma is a mother, ain't it? So, yeah, <laughs> that's one of those deals. I think you have to think about that. So what does that mean? That means... Titans, you probably need to start looking at 
getting your defense a lot better, and you better do it soon. I'll call him out um, because he had a really good point. Um, God, was it Zach Gilbert, one of my buddies, um, Titans fan? He said, look, in some of his commentary, he said that, um, look, our, our quarterback is 32. And our running back, Derrick Henry, he's 26. You know running backs, and this is me, running backs don't last long. They have the shelf life of a banana. So if you're going to have this identity, you better do something within the next two years. That's the reason why Derrick Henry only got that many years because running backs, they, they are replaceable and they don't last long. If you look at the list of NFL uh, Hall of Fame running backs and fullbacks, those guys were really special. And I'm not saying that Derrick Henry isn't special, but can you see the future? And hopefully this kid does not get hurt and he stays that brick house that he actually is, that big robot. But if you look at the way that the Titans, that if you want to win a Super Bowl, you have the coach in Mike Vrabel. You have the quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. But here's the thing. If Tannehill has the defensive support, just like he has the running and receiving support, they also need some offensive line help. Let's not, let's not forget that as well. But they have pieces. Taylor Lewan been gone for a long time, and they still did all of this without their left tackle. That's big, man. If you look at just the last couple of Super Bowls, go back to when Denver beat Carolina. That defense of Denver, that was a great, great defense. I mean, y'all do remember, and Von Miller was the MVP. Y'all need a playmaker on defense, not on offense. You need a playmaker on defense. You don't have one. They haven't had a defense around here since Javon Curse and Blaine Bishop and all those guys were here. They haven't had a defense around here in a long time. You take that. That's the reason why that team went to the Super Bowl. They lost by a yard. A yard. Tennessee Titans fans, you know what it takes. If you remember this, you younger ones, I ain't going to remember that. If you 20-somethings, you're probably not going to remember that because you were too little. Go back and watch the game. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Look at some of their old games. You see those playmakers that they had on defense back then? If anything, Jeff Fisher and, and, uh, and that, that, that front office did, they built a defense. They did do that. They had guys on every level. Every level. So... That's what needs to happen in Tennessee. I think what you have to, you better do it quick. Look at New England. New England and the, and the coaching staff as well as the, the, def, the defenders themselves. They had defenses. Philadelphia, they were all right, but they made plays. And that game, nobody punted, right? New England didn't punt. Brandon Graham made a play on Tom Brady and caused the one turnover in the game, caused that turnover to end that game. Some people believe that New England would have come back and tied that game and maybe even won it, but, you know, that's a pipe dream. New England and the Rams. New England caught some breaks, but they have, you know, the best cornerback in, in the league, one of the best cornerbacks in the league, and other defensive pieces for the Patriots. Just go back and look at it. Kansas City's defense kind of bend, don't break, but they have some players. They had some players this, you know, last Super Bowl year, and they did it. Seattle and Denver, who just got hired in 
Seattle. What's the difference between Seattle now and Seattle when they played the Super Bowl against Denver in MetLife? And even when they played Denver in this, uh, played New England in the Super Bowl the next year, the Legion of Boom. That's the support that Russell Wilson had before he was Russell Wilson. He had a running game, Skittles, Marshawn Lynch, and he had a defense. His receivers didn't have to be dynamic. Doug Baldwin wasn't that great, even though he mouthed off after those years were over with, but they never went back to the Super Bowl again. Once they paid their quarterback and they saw some of those pieces on defense like leaves from a tree, they left. And to this day, the defense for Seattle this year was historically bad, just like the, the Dallas Cowboys. You have no shot if you don't have a defense. You got to have somebody to stop them. And it doesn't have to be you leading in sacks. Where's the what, what, what happened to the Pittsburgh Steelers defense? How great they, that they were all year. Won 11 games and finished 1-5. Why? One, they did lose. Uh, T.J. Watt was still there, right? They lost Bud Dupree. Some people say, oh, well, injuries. Everybody has injuries. I understand that. But sometimes it's who you lose. The Tennessee Titans, you need defensive help. Period. And now you're on the playoff couch. Does That, that shouldn't surprise you at all. You're on the playoff couch. Then there's Mike Vrabel. So the Titans ownership don't care about winning. <sighs> okay, so Mike Vrabel, and this is according to Joe Rex Road of The Athletic. Quote, he, Vrabel, uh, is 31-21 and 21 in three seasons, tied with Jack Pardee for the best three-season start to a tenure in franchise history with a 2-2 two two postseason record, an AFC championship game appearance, and the AFC South title to his credit. The big picture is friendlier than Sunday's glimpse of a coach misreading his own team. Yeah, it's true. Titans GM John Robinson is 50 and 36, including three playoff wins. That's more than a lot of teams out there, Titans fans. I'm just trying to tell you. In five seasons, three playoff wins in five years. And you talk about Cowboys fans. You know how long that drought can be? See, some of y'all fans are still brand new. Amy Adam Strunk, that's the owner, hired him to turn around a franchise that was 5-27 and 27 in the two seasons preceding him. The franchise's first divisional title, they won it in 12 years. Uh, I think ownership does care about winning. They don't just light money on fire and, and just put anybody in, in um, you know, in, in place. So they are improving. Now, if you had the same record, if you were still 5-27 and 27 or worse, then you can say that the franchise doesn't care about winning. It's a lie from the pits of Hades. So what's wrong with the Tennessee Titans? Survey says, defense. Ding, ding, ding. What do we have for him, Johnny? All right, so we're going to wrap this show up. I got to get out of here quickly. This is a lot longer than I expected it to be. And boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's story time with Uncle Mike. Get your blankets. All right. Uh, graham crackers and apples. No caramel. You want caramel? Go right ahead. You got it. All right. So 
yet another one of those FedEx stories. So being a courier for years, um, you can be out there. Uh, in town, it's a lot easier to find a bathroom. You could be desperately seeking a bathroom. And sometimes there isn't one to get to and you have to improvise. Bottles, yeah. But what if it's number two? What if it's number two? It's, now, all right, look, no, I've never done nothing like that. No, not me. I'll, I'll wait and I look, I'll leave all my packages behind and go find a good hospital, good clean hospital commode to sit on. Um, so this is, I'm not, this guy will, will remain nameless. I'm not going to give his name. I'm not even going to say what part of town that he did, that this was years ago. And this is what he relayed. And I believe it to be true because yeah, he would do this. <laughs> he would do this. So he's on one of those routes that's out in the nosebleed section. What does that mean? He's in the country. And he had really had to go. And um, the only way that he could go, you know, drop drop a deuce uh, was in a pack that he had. We have some extra supplies in the back of these trucks. And um, he said he had to pull over. He went in the back of his truck and he pitched his loaves in a FedEx pack. Sealed it up. Now, here's where the story gets a little bit dicey. He might have been messing with me, but I'm going to tell it anyway. So he finally gets somewhere. because you, know, you get to a point where you just can't hold that anymore. You know, it hurts. You can't even walk. You can't even stand up straight. God knew what he was doing. Um, so he gets he finally gets to a place where he can, you know, go in somewhere. Again, this is where the story gets a little bit dicey. He takes the pack that he crapped in and whizzed in and he left it on a seat. And I think he just forgot to, to toss it away because you're not going to throw that away in your own trash can. That's the reason why I, I believe it. He didn't grab it. He went in. I think he went in to deliver a stop. But when he came back out, it was gone. I just would love to I would pay money to have seen the face of the person when when they open that thing up. I, that's all. That is all. I just want to know what they look like, what was said. I would love to have had a hidden camera to see their reaction when they open that thing up. If they opened it up. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. That's so horrible. Anyway, that's it. All right. That's the show for the week. Um, many more to come. We have the divisional playoffs uh, coming up this weekend. We'll see what happens in a week. Take care. I'm out. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. 
Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 6699 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 6699. Enjoy! Curated by Kohl's latest collection is now available in select stores and at kohls.com. For a limited time, shop unexpected new favorites like reusable drinkware from Corksicle and fun arts and crafts from UV. Warmies heatable plush toys are perfect for little ones. Homesick handcrafted candles are a great gift to make anyone feel at home. And who doesn't love sweet treats from Candy Club? Shop curated by Kohl's for these digital need-to-know brands and more. Tap the banner now or visit kohls.com.